Hello, welcome to or welcome back to the What's Going On Up There podcast, a conversation between me and my mind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for today's episode. Thank you to everyone who listened in last week for last week's very first episode. I got, there were so many of you who listened. So thank you so much. It reached, I think it reached five countries and I thought that was, that was pretty exciting. So let's, let's get into today's episode. The, the title of today's show is What's Going On With Not Feeling Sick Enough? And this is a topic that I've struggled with my entire life. So I'm very excited to share with you all and I'm excited to share what I've learned, my story, any tips that I have. So let's get into the show today. Disclaimer. This is a mental health-focused podcast. Some topics and experiences discussed may be triggering or upsetting for some listeners. I always put the main topics discussed in each episode in the show description. Please check there for any potential triggers, and of course, make sure to protect your peace and skip parts of the episode or skip the episode altogether if it may upset you. I tried to create a list of topics I think might some might find triggering. The list may miss something, so make sure to err on the side of caution. Also, I am not a medical or mental health professional. I am just a person with lived experience who would like to share my journey and advice to help others feel less alone. If you are struggling with your mental health or are actively in crisis, I strongly urge you to reach out to a professional for help. The suicide hotline number in America is 988. Okay, so for anyone who didn't listen to the prior episode, the way that I start the podcast is with the 100 questions of Gretchen. The 100 questions of Gretchen are, I have a little fishbowl here, plastic one from Amazon, and it's filled with one, well, now it's filled with 98, but it was filled with 100 questions about me. And at the beginning of every episode, I pick two and I answer them so that you guys can learn a little bit more about me. But first, I have a very special shout out. So, so, ich habe gesehen, dass ein paar Leute aus Deutschland meinen Podcast gehört haben. So, hallo und herzlich willkommen oder willkommen zurück zu meinem Podcast. Vielen Dank für zu hören und ich hoffe, dass mein Deutsch nicht so schlecht ist, aber ich denke, dass ich, ich gut Deutsch sprechen kann. So, ja, hallo und vielen Dank. Ich hoffe, dass du magst meinen Podcast-Episoden heute. Und los geht's. Ja, jetzt die 100 Fragen über Gretchen. So now, if you don't speak German, I was just like speaking a bunch of gibberish. As far as you know. <laughs> okay, 100 questions of Gretchen. Let's do this. Let's see. Ooh, a blue one and a green one. The colors mean nothing. They're just different colors, but it's exciting to get a different color. Okay, the first one. Ooh, okay. This is this is an intense one right off the bat. So, it's going to be talking about eating disorder. If you're triggered by eating disorder, please skip ahead about 2 minutes. So, the question is, when were you first diagnosed with an eating disorder? This is kind of a complicated question. I when in fall of 2022, in the beginning of my super major depression, bipolar 2 era, I my therapist told me that I had an eating disorder and she said that I should go to the hospital. And I was like, ha, lol, no way. <laughs> and, and, and so I didn't. And but, you know, here I am. I'm fine. But I strongly urge you to listen to everything that your therapists say. Unless it's like totally bad advice, then don't do that. But most things that therapists say are good advice. I just didn't listen to that. And my mom was like, oh, you don't have to do that. But, you know, I was fine. I'm clearly I'm fine. I'm still here. Well, fine. Fine is a loose term. <laughs> but so that was the first time that eating disorder was thrown around as a term. And I wasn't I wasn't officially I guess that was technically an official diagnosis, but I I didn't begin treatment for and get like a a diagnosis from an eating disorder specialist until this Octo yeah, October, October of twenty twenty three. 
So that's, that's that. And I'll definitely talk more about my journey in another episode or actually also in today's episode, but gotta, you gotta stay tuned. If you want to hear more, you gotta stay tuned. All right. Next question. This one's kind of difficult to open. Okay. Ooh, who would play you in a movie? Oh, this is such a hard question. ChatGTP must have came up with this one because I hate answering this question. Who would play me in a movie? This is such a tough one because I feel like no one looks like me in the sense that like all of my features combined, I feel like there's no actor that would, well, I guess, so I have super curly hair and I feel like there aren't many people in Hollywood who have, who are white and female and mid-sized that have super curly hair like that. But I feel like a wig could definitely fix that. But who would play me in a movie? Oh, I don't know. When I was a kid, I would always say Emma Watson because I watched the Harry Potter movies and her hair kind of looked like mine. But what actress do I really like? I really, I think Florence Pugh is great. I think she's a fantastic person. She's so funny. So maybe I would have Florence Pugh play me in a movie. What other actress do I think would play me well in a movie? I don't know. Oh, maybe Jennifer Lawrence would play me well. I feel like Jennifer Lawrence and I are very similar. Like we have like similar styles of humor. I feel, yeah. So maybe Florence Pugh or Jennifer Lawrence, if they're, well, they're not listening, but if they ever find this, hit me up and maybe we can make a movie. <laughs> okay. So that's the, the two, two out of 98 now questions of Gretchen. I hope you learned something about me and let's, get into today's oh i wanted to address so this is not important if you don't care skip ahead but last episode i was talking about the groundhog Pakistani phil and he said that it would be an early spring well it's like a super snowstorm here on the east coast i think we're expected to get almost a foot of snow so stupid groundhog lied to us <laughs> but it's fine i like i don't mind this i like the way that the snow looks i don't love the cold i like lying in the snow that's something that I was always do as a kid. I would just put on my snow gear and I would have like a snowball fight and then I would get tired and I would just lie in the snow. And my childhood home had like a, not a grove, but like a few pine trees all clustered together. So like a mini grove of pine trees and there would be like an opening beneath them and I would just sit there and lie under the pine trees in the snow. And I would stay there for like a good 30 minutes. I never got frostbite though, so that's that's pretty fantastic. Okay, but enough of that. To the real topic of today's episode, which is what's going on with not feeling sick enough. And I put sick enough in quotations because your mind makes up an idea of what it thinks is sick enough and that might not be accurate towards what a doctor a therapist, a psychiatrist, any professional might say. Feeling not sick enough is something I've struggled with my whole life. I'm very much a perfectionist. I always am trying to do the most and trying to give my all into things. And that's been really harmful to my mental health, especially since I compare myself a lot to others. And in my journey, while comparing myself to things that maybe I've seen on social media or things that I've read on the internet, it can be very harmful for me to feel like where I was at, I was not I was not sick enough, but I felt like I was not doing the mental illness well enough to deserve treatment, which is ridiculous because in order, you can't do a mental illness well. Like that's, first of all, that's not a thing. You, you have a mental illness and that's that. You deserve help treatment no matter what, but doing a mental illness well is, that's not a thing. Like that, that does not exist. Just to get that out of the way so that we're all on the same page, you are sick enough no matter what stage you are at, whether you've been struggling for like a week or this has been going on for your entire life, you deserve help. You deserve to go see a specialist. You deserve to go see a professional. You deserve to reach out to your best friend and tell them what's going on. 
you deserve that support and you deserve to feel like you're enough. And that's something that I've personally struggled with my whole life, not feeling good enough. And that translates over to my mental health by not feeling sick enough. I, so not feeling sick enough for me, I felt like I wasn't bad enough or I wasn't far enough in, but at the same time, I didn't want to feel like a burden to other people. So I didn't want, I didn't want to be, I didn't feel like I was sick enough or I didn't consider myself sick enough because I didn't want other people to feel, or I didn't want to to be a burden to other people. I didn't want them to have to like take care of me all the time. I didn't want them to worry about me all the time. So I felt like I, like no matter what I did, I felt like I was never going to reach that sick enough point because I didn't want, because I saw on like the internet or I read things or I saw experiences with people that I knew where they were considered in my mind they were considered sick enough and how that affected the people around them and I didn't want the people around me to have to go through that so I considered myself not sick enough and the other people who like in my mind I saw their struggles and I saw their story I heard their experiences and I in my mind considered them to be worse off than I was which made me feel like I since they had had an experience that I hadn't had that means in my mind that I wouldn't be deserving of help until I had that experience or I wouldn't be like quote sick enough until I had all of these experiences combined to like have the have like the most horrible experience with mental health and that's not a healthy way of thinking it's no matter what your experience is you don't have to compare yourself to another person someone will always have no one's experiences are the same someone will always have a different story than you have and that's okay like your stories don't have to be the same for you to dis- both to deserve the same treatment the same love support and care That's a very important point that I want to stress this entire podcast is that no matter where you are at, you do deserve help and it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. You deserve the help. I've said that I struggled with it my whole life. So I want to start with the most intense scenario or the most intense period of time that I felt this, which was the fall of 2022 to through winter of 2023. That was my senior year of high school. And that was when I was really struggling with depression and my bipolar. The In my mind, I wouldn't be sick enough until I hit these different benchmarks that I had set for myself. In my mind, I, well, I could I could see all the things that I was no longer able to do. Like I could see that I had to drop a bunch of classes and I could see that I wasn't able to get up every morning at the right time to go to school. I could see that I wasn't allowed to drive my car anymore. And to me, these weren't these weren't drastic enough for me to consider myself sick enough. And that was a very dangerous way of thinking for me to go about considering my mental health journey to be deserving of treatment. I was in therapy and I had a psychiatrist, but like other people that I knew had gone, had been admitted to inpatient care at a hospital or they had already gone to residential multiple times, had been hospitalized multiple times. And I thought in my mind, oh, well, we have the same story, but I'm not there. I haven't had those experiences. So for me, I won't be sick enough until I've had the same experience that they've had. And like I said before, you don't have to have the same story as someone else to deserve the same treatment that they had. In my mind, I was setting these different benchmarks that I had to hit to be sick enough. But the problem with mental illness is that it 
is it's a real illness of your brain and your brain can't think properly. Your brain is going to be warped by the mental illness and it's going to make you see things in a distorted view. So when my brain was saying, I won't be sick enough until I hit these benchmarks, there was always something more that came after that. The the like the deadline was always moving or the finish line was always moving. So if my brain would say, oh, well, I'm not sick enough because I'm not harming myself, then when I started self-harming, my brain switched the finish line to, oh, well, I'm not sick enough because I still go to school most days. And then when I wasn't able to go to school most days, I my brain would switch to, oh, well, yeah, I can't go to school most days, but I'm just sitting in the car all day, like I'm not in the hospital. And my brain kept doing this. And I realize now that what my brain was doing was it was setting benchmarks until it led up to what the mental illness really wanted, which was it wanted me dead. And that's how a lot of mental illnesses work is it's not working with your brain, it's working against your brain. And it's fighting to to like take you down ultimately. The ultimate takedown is if it succeeds, if it wins the fight, then you ultimately lose the fight and you end up losing your life. And that was something that was, I didn't see it at the time. And I can look back now and I can see that that's what my brain was doing. It was creating all these benchmarks that I had to meet because it wanted, it wanted to win. And in order to win, I needed to lose and I needed to not be here to fight it anymore. And I, so that was the majority of the fall of 2022, the winter of 2023, up until the spring of 2023. My brain kept putting these benchmarks and I kept rejecting care because I feel, felt like I wasn't sick enough. My but my mom, she really did keep me alive. She was with me 24-7 around the clock. She did everything that she was, the eyes and ears on me, that if I had been in a hospital, that's what I would have gotten. She didn't, I didn't get hospitalized because my mom didn't leave my side. We were quite literally attached at the hip. I, she would sleep in my room every night. She would stand outside the bathroom door while I was using the bathroom. She would sit with me every single moment of every day. She had her life on pause so that she could make sure that my life didn't end, basically. She, I, instead of going to school, because I wasn't, I didn't have the capacity to go to school, I spent a lot of time just in the car and my mom has a minivan shout out to the minivan yeah so in the minivan i would sit in the front seat and a lot of the times since i was not able to drive myself to school and i'll make another episode about that another day but i would not be able to drive myself to school but my brother would still need a ride so my brother would sit in the back seat i would sit in the front seat of the minivan my mom would drive us to school my brother would get out and I would not be able to leave the car. I was just too sick and I couldn't do it. So instead of going home and getting out of the car, she would just drive me around town the entire day. And I would sit slumped with my head down in like probably the worst posture for my neck possible. With my head to my chest, I was just sitting there slump, slumped over and I would sleep the entire day while my mom was just driving me around our town. I'm sure she drove like, she probably drove like the equivalent of New York City to Boston, like every, well, not every, yeah, probably every day because I, that's the only thing I could do. I could just sit in a car and sleep. Like there's nothing else for me to do. If I wasn't sitting in a car sleeping, it was, I was sitting in bed sleeping. And this should have been an indicator to me that I was sick enough because I wasn't able to function. But in my mind, I wasn't sick enough because I hadn't met the ultimate goal of a mental illness, which is to lose your battle. So that's my story up until I got to residential treatment. 
And even when I got to residential treatment, I felt like I still wasn't sick enough and I felt like I didn't deserve to be there. I heard the stories of the other people in my treatment center and I thought to myself like, oh, well, I didn't have this experience that they had. So it means that I don't deserve the same treatment. Like I didn't have the ex- I didn't have the same experience that they had, so I don't deserve to be here receiving the same treatment that they're receiving. And that is just ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense. I, They wouldn't have accepted me to that residential center if they didn't feel like I was sick enough. And I, I was accepted. I was fast-lined to the center in California and I spent a month there because I was I was sick enough and that's even when I'm saying it like sick enough is such a ridiculous term it's it's not real it's like a made up term to be sick enough is just to be sick period like you don't have there is no enough it's just sick but in my mind, it was, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not doing the most, like I'm not doing enough to be considered mentally ill. And something that really would trigger this all the time is social media. So I want to talk a little bit about social media because if I would go on Instagram and I would find myself on the mental illness side of Instagram because I was mentally ill. So just, I guess that just makes sense. <laughs> but I would find myself on the mental illness side of Instagram and Instagram can be an incredibly uplifting place. There are lots of positive accounts, lots of positive feeds, but there are a ton of negative feeds negative posts negative everything and also a lot of triggering things and a lot of people have the best intentions when they're posting their journey like me i have the best intentions posting my journey but i'm aware that my journey might be triggering to someone which is why i give the disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast and i put the triggers in the description but on instagram it's a little more difficult if you make like a video or an Instagram reel to have a trigger warning at the beginning because they're so short. So a lot of people will just go right into their content without warning. And for me, it was really difficult to see people's journeys, see someone like posting videos of themselves in crisis or videos of themselves in treatment or like making jokes about their mental illness. For me, that was really triggering because I felt like I was seeing these people and they were online and they were they were mentally ill in my mind and I didn't I couldn't see that I was this I was having the same experience as them. I couldn't see that I was just as deserving of treatment as they were because a lot of people, it's easy to showcase just one aspect on social media. It's easy to zoom in on the only show the positive or only show the negative. And a lot of a lot of the videos or the posts that I came across would have like like I said, like images of people in like in the hospital or images of the remnants of someone's self-harm or anything that reminded me of my journey made me feel like I wasn't the same as that person, if it makes any sense. I felt like like seeing these people have their experiences on social media made me feel like I wasn't sick enough because like I said like on social media you only showcase one side and I so in my mind it was really difficult for me to see the other people posting about their stories on social media and comparing it to what I'd been through because 
when when you're struggling with a mental illness, you don't always remember everything. You don't remember the good parts, but you might also not remember the bad parts. Like I can look back on my journey and I can say, oh, it wasn't that bad, but it was, it was that bad. And that's one of the dangers I feel of social media is that you can't see everything. And if you see only negative things on social media, then your brain will only, or my brain would only think of the negative things in my life. And it wouldn't think of the positive things or it would, it would compare those negative things to the negative things that I was seeing in my life. And it was just a whole cycle of me seeing a new experience on social media and then me feeling like I hadn't done enough because my experience, I like, like I didn't have probably what I was feeling was my experience wasn't valid because I didn't have proof. Like I didn't have videos of myself suffering through this depression. I didn't have pictures of myself when I was at my lowest. And I felt like all the bad things were just in my head. And if there's nothing for me to look back on, then how do I know it even happened? That is a very dangerous way of thinking because your brain can, or at least my brain, it can forget of how bad things were and then it'll think, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. It's okay if it starts to slip again, but that's not okay. If you feel yourself struggling with your mental health or you feel yourself struggling with a mental illness and you're trying to compare it to your very worst time, that's you're going to let yourself slip way too far down before getting help. At least that's for me what I did was I, in later experiences, I would always compare what I was going through then to my lowest point and that was probably 2023, my lowest point in the spring of 2023, right before I went off to treatment. And just because I wasn't at that point, just because I wasn't the feeling the same way, and doesn't mean that what I was going through wasn't valid. So that is, uh, that was a common theme during the fall of 2023, when I was in my first year of college, or at least my like my first my first taste of college we'll say if you didn't watch the other or not watch if you didn't listen to the other episode i started college in the fall of 2023 had to leave in like october and here i am i'm still still at my home in the middle of a snowstorm recording podcasts for you guys yay podcast okay anyway with my so at the fall of 2023 i was in a much better mental health space than i was in the spring of 2023. However, when my mental health started to slip again, I felt like I wasn't sick enough. I wasn't deserving enough of treatment because I wasn't at that point that I was in the spring of 2023. I was, I used to say a lot to my therapist and to my like parents, like, oh yeah, I'm depressed, but at least I don't want to die yet. Like that was supposed to make it okay that I was feeling depressed and that I was isolating. Like, no, it's not how it works. If you're feeling depressed, if you're isolating, you deserve help. You deserve to reach out to someone. You deserve to have people check up on you. You don't deserve to say, oh, well, it's not that bad because I'm not dead. Like, no, that's not how it works. Being dead should not be the benchmark of deserving help. You don't want to be too far. You don't want to be gone before you get help. So I, in the fall, fall of the 2023, that was when my eating disorder was getting very prominent and when I was really struggling, but I wasn't feeling super depressed. Like I didn't want to die. I didn't want to stop living. I was just feeling not regular depressed, but non-suicidally depressed. And that made me think that because of my prior experiences that which were which encompassed a suic being suicidally depressed, that being non-suicidally depressed wasn't 
depressed enough to deserve treatment that because I was struggling with a raging eating disorder, but I wasn't suicidally depressed, then I didn't deserve treatment. And it was really difficult for me to come to terms with that I needed to leave school and I needed to get treatment because I, I felt like I wasn't that bad. I wasn't sick enough. I felt like because I wasn't in the hospital, I wasn't sick enough because I hadn't, one of the benchmarks I set for myself was because I hadn't passed out on like the middle of the street, I wasn't sick enough. And that is so dangerous. That is such a dangerous mindset. I want to reinforce to you all that having a mindset like that, saying to yourself, I'm not sick enough until something horrible happens, is so dangerous. It is such a dangerous mindset to have. It is so, such a sneaky little dangerous trick that your mind is playing on you. It doesn't matter what experience you've had. If you are feeling like, or if you are feeling less than your normal everyday self, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling paranoid, if you're feeling suicidal, if you're feeling hypomanic, if you're feeling manic, you deserve help. You are, quote, sick enough. You are enough. You are, you are sick and you are enough as a human. And to have my brain say all of these horrible things made it so difficult for me to be accepting of my treatment. I couldn't see how far gone I was. And I can see now, looking back, I can see how horrible, how how really far gone I let myself slip because I was comparing my sick enough benchmark to something else completely. And that's another really important thing is not only comparing your journey to someone else's journey, but comparing your journey to your own journey. For me, my journey with depression was so different from my journey with eating disorder. And in the spring of 2023, the end of my journey, or not the end of my journey with depression, but the beginning of my treatment for my bipolar depression was I was feeling very suicidal. I was very sick. And the beginning of my treatment for my eating disorder, I didn't realize how sick I had gotten because I wasn't feeling the same symptoms as I had in the spring of 2023. My symptoms were focused around my eating disorder instead of my depression. And I didn't realize how depressed I was back in October 2023 because it wasn't the same depression I had had in spring 2023. I felt like like all of my I can look back now on October when I had when my dad had to come get me from college. I can see now how sick I was. I can see now how deserving of treatment I was and how serious it had gotten. But back then when you're in it you can't see how bad it is. And that's that's like the thing I'm trying to repeat over and over again. When you're in it, you don't see it. And that's why my brain, or maybe if you can relate, your brain will set these different benchmarks for you and it will say, well, you're not sick enough because, and that's not true. When you are able to take a step back and you can look at your journey, your experience, just whatever you're going through, and you can see what your brain was telling you versus the facts of the situation. Those two are very different. For me with, I'll use my eating disorder as an example. For me, my brain was telling me, you're not sick enough because you need to lose more weight. You're not sick enough because... Like, for example, when I talked about my Washington, D.C. trip in the last podcast, but my scholarship took a trip to Washington, D.C. on Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day weekend, and I felt like I wasn't sick enough because I had had half a granola bar that day. And that's such a dangerous, first of all, 
If you are struggling with your eating, if you are having disordered thoughts, please reach out to a professional for help, or at least please just tell someone what you're going through. Maybe someone can, definitely, I'm sure someone can help you. But also, if you're hungry, eat food. If you're not hungry and it's time to eat food, eat food anyway. If you are seeing a bunch of diet culture ads that are telling you that 1,200 calories are enough for a grown human, that's a lie, okay? Eat more food. If you are like eating, if you are not eating food, I highly recommend that. No, I don't highly recommend that you eat food. I'm telling you to go get a snack, go eat food. And yeah, so off with my rant about eating food. You got to eat food. Food, water, sleep. That's how you keep a human alive. So do that or else or else I'm coming for you or else the wrath of the podcast the wrath of wrath of George the podcast mascot will be after you. He'll be like, "Wow, you need to eat food." <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh yeah, thanks to my helpful bulleted list. So actually, I have no idea what I was talking about. But anyway, I felt like my... I f- so in the moment, I couldn't see how bad I had gotten. But looking back on it now and seeing how much I've changed, how much weight I needed to gain, how m- much, how many how what i was terrified of eating and how much i was terrified of eating i didn't see that that's how sick i was and now looking back like obviously yes i was sick i was deserving of treatment but when you're in it it's so different when you're in it it's so difficult to see that you are sick because like i said with the depression like your brain doesn't want you to think you're sick because your brain wants to sneakily like sneak in there and wrap its little finger around your entire brain and just like crush you like it wants to win the battle between the battle between you and your mental illness your brain wants to or your mental illness wants to win your mental illness is not going to tell you that you're sick enough because if it tells you you're sick enough then you're going to get treatment and it doesn't surprise it doesn't want you to get treatment it wants to win and that's very that's very dangerous like i said all podcast if you are feeling any sort of being off if you're feeling if you notice that over the past month, you've felt really sad, or you've been really lonely, or maybe over the past month, you've been making decisions that you would never normally make, and they're being they're being harmful to your well-being or the well-being of people around you. That means that you deserve to reach out to someone. You deserve to reach out to a professional. You deserve to tell someone about it, and you deserve help. That is such an important thing. You deserve help. It doesn't matter what anyone else is going through. I'm going to die on that hill. That doesn't matter what anyone else's story is. It just matters about you. And if you feel different than you normally do, if you feel like your mental health is slipping, you deserve to get help. So like I was saying before about the comparison factor. The comparison factor is really big. And I just want to put it out there again. If you have been listening to this entire podcast and you know that it's been triggering you the whole time and maybe you want to be triggered because that's another sneaky little thing that mental illnesses will do. They'll, you'll watch something or listen to something that you know is triggering because the mental illness wants to sneak in there and tighten its grasp. But if you know that something is triggering you to you, like if you see a movie and you know that it's going to be triggering to you, or if you're reading an article online that you know is going to be triggering to you, or if you've been listening to this podcast the whole time and you know that it's been triggering to you, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop watching movies that are going to be triggering. Stop reading things that are going to be triggering. Stop listening to this podcast. Like if this podcast has been triggering to you, turn it off now. I am honestly, I'm disappointed in you that you did not turn it off earlier, but that's fine. You can still turn it off now. 
and go talk to someone about it. Go watch a Disney movie. Go listen to Taylor Swift. Go find your cat. If you don't have a cat, go adopt a cat. Yeah, that's that's definitely the best thing to do in this scenario is adopt a cat. But anyway, triggering items are everywhere. And for me, that was really difficult because I felt like I wasn't sick enough. And to feel sick enough, to feel not sick enough, and then see triggering items, which flared up my thought that I wasn't sick enough, is just a vicious cycle. And ultimately, what I what I said earlier, or what I realize now, is that I, my mental illness, I will never be sick enough for my mental illness to say, yeah, you're sick enough, because my mental illness doesn't want me to know that I'm sick enough. It So I have to look upon myself to see changes in my behavior and then to think, oh, this is happening. I should get some help for this. Because when you have, like I said, when you have a mental illness, it's difficult to notice when you're slipping. And what you have to do is you have to look for the signs. For me, the signs are Am I isolating myself? Am I going to bed at a reasonable time? Am I waking up at a reasonable time? Am I showering? That's, I'm going to make another episode about hygiene and mental health. But if I feel my hygiene slipping, that's a big sign for me that I gotta, I gotta do something about it. If I'm listening to sad music, that's another thing. For me, I can't, I know a lot of people love Noah Kahan and my best friend, she actually just saw him in concert. So good for her. But I can't listen to his music because it hits too close to home. It's too sad. Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish's music. It's so good. I There was a girl in my residential and she loved Billie Eilish's music. We would listen to it nonstop. And I we watched her documentary too, which is really good. Highly recommend, but not if it's going to trigger you. So be careful about that. But when you... But yeah, so the music for me is another sign. Like if I'm listening to this sad music that I typically avoid because I know it's going to be triggering for me, then I realize, oh, this music is usually triggering for me, which means that I am probably feeling triggered right now and I just don't realize it yet. So I'm going to have to stop with that. And that's what that was one of the more difficult things for me to realize was that I have to look upon myself to look for patterns, to figure out when I'm going to feel, when I feel myself slipping. Because your mind, my mind is never going to feel like I'm sick enough. And that made me, made it really difficult for me to accept treatment, especially with my perfectionistic tendency, tendencies, or I, me wanting to always do more, feeling like there's always something more that I could be doing. And I've, I've had to learn that, it's that those that that way of thinking is very dangerous and not just for me but for everyone that is such a dangerous way of thinking for everyone and i just want you all to know that if you are struggling with not feeling sick enough let this podcast be your be your sign that you do deserve help you you are a person you are sick and you are enough end of story. You deserve help. To end out this segment, I want to talk about some things that I've learned throughout this process. And some of the biggest thing is comparison. And comparison makes it so difficult for me to feel like I'm deserving of treatment because someone else is always is always going to have a different story. No two stories are exactly the same. And you don't need to have the same story as someone else. You don't need to have every experience that someone else has had in order to serve help. And it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Like I said, everyone deserves help. Everyone deserves treatment. You, the sick enough thought is so dangerous. I am going to scream this from the roof. It is so dangerous to feel like you're not being, like you're not sick enough. And if you're prone to comparison, then some things that you can try that I've tried and that help are avoiding social media accounts that might make you want to compare. And this one is especially difficult if the 
social media account is a positive social media account and it's like sneakily making you compare. For me, I know there are some like eating disorder recovery accounts and they're like super positive, super uplifting, lots of body positivity, but a lot of the videos start with body checks. And for me, that's super triggering. And so I know that I have to avoid those videos and I might have to unfollow some of the accounts because I can't compare myself to someone else. Other things are, like I said, avoid certain movies, avoid certain music, avoid this podcast if you have to. Apple, Apple TV, Apple, yeah, Apple TV. If you get a movie or a TV show off Apple TV, they offer like a, like a warning at the beginning of their TV shows. I noticed like I was watching Lessons in Chemistry and Lessons in Chemistry has two episodes. I think the second episode and maybe the sixth episode. There are two episodes where it offers a trigger warning at the beginning of the episode. And that was super helpful to me because I know to I knew to avoid those two episodes. So that's something I recommend. Also, there's a site called Common Sense Media. My mom loves Common Sense Media. It's great to find out the age appropriacy for a child to watch like it'll say the movies can be rated like pg pg 13 or r but that site will give you like a like like oh this is rated pg 13 but really it's okay for a seven-year-old or oh this is rated pg 13 but maybe you shouldn't watch it until you're like i don't know like 15 or something and on common sense media they also offer the topics that are discussed and you can type in your movie or TV show that you want to watch. It only, it does limit you though, unless you make an account. So I think it gives you like three, three searches per day until you make an account, but you can type in your movie or TV show and then you can scroll down and it'll have the different like topics that it covers. And that's, that's been really helpful for me. So yeah. And podcasts if you listen to a podcast check the descriptions always to see if it comes with a warning the explicit rating on apple podcasts does not always mean that there's swearing explicit is also for heavy topics that shouldn't be discussed with a child such as or not that they shouldn't be discussed with a child but topics that a child shouldn't be listening to without adult supervision like this podcast gets an explicit warning because I talk about mental illness, I talk about suicide, I talk about self-harm, I talk about eating disorder, and that's not the most appropriate thing for a child to listen to. So if you see an explicit rating on a podcast, just check what the episode is about because that might not always mean that there's language. It might mean that heavy topics are discussed. And finally, the most important thing, avoid people who trigger you. Avoid people who make you feel less than. This is something I had to learn through my eating disorder treatment. They, The treatment that I'm in offers a support group on Wednesdays, and I went once and I found myself super triggered hearing everyone else's stories, hearing where they were at, hearing experiences that they had, and I knew that it's not safe for me to go to this support group because I am prone to comparison and hearing what everyone else has done or hearing everyone's stories for me is dangerous because it's a support group so you can discuss anything and obviously like it's a, it's a group you're talking with people so it's not there's not going to be a warning because it's just whatever someone comes to mind so avoiding people who make you feel less than that can be friends family strangers, colleagues, anyone. If you find that someone is making you feel less than, set a boundary with them. And that is super hard to do. I was just talking to my therapist about this yesterday and she was like, well, Gretchen, I think you need to set a boundary. And I was like, boundary? <laughs> What's a boundary? But no, setting a boundary is super difficult. The challenge should not be understated because it is very difficult. But if you're capable. First of all, you should be in a good mindset. You should be confident. You should probably be well-fed. You should not be thirsty. Don't do it before you have to use the bathroom. Like, do it. You got to be prepared. Set your boundary. Hold your ground. 
very difficult to do. But if you're able to do it, props to you. Good for you. If you can't set a boundary, maybe just avoid that person. But don't ghost them because that's that's rude. But just set a boundary with them. So end of that segment, just want to remind you that you are enough. You are doing enough just by being here, listening to this podcast. I'm so proud of you for listening to the podcast, doing something for yourself. You are enough. You are you are so worth it and you are going to be, you are so worth treatment. You are so worth everything. I hope that you enjoyed this little segment. So you are you are so worth it. You are worth everything. Now for the final segment. This is called this is the closing mindfulness segment. So a time just to de-stress from the episode topic today. Just bring your awareness to your day, to yourself. And just take some deep breaths with me. Okay, so I'm going to ask three questions and I invite you to consider these questions to maybe start a discussion with someone around you and just think about how these questions make you feel. The first question is, what made you smile today? So what made me smile today was that there's snow. There is so much snow, in fact. There is almost a foot of snow. But it made me smile because I'm looking out my window right now and there are pine trees covered in snow and it's so beautiful. So that's what made me smile today. What made you smile today? And now the next question is, what made you sad today? And when I ask what made you sad today... I want you to think about what made you sad and then let it go. Don't ruminate on what made you sad. Just think about it and let it go. What made me sad today was I ordered a bunch of pants and my body has changed a lot in eating disorder recovery. So I had to order a new size of pants and it was very difficult for me to see myself trying on these pants and to see what fit and didn't fit. That's what made me sad today. And lastly, what made you hopeful today? What made you hopeful for the future? What made you hopeful for life? So what made me hopeful today was I made a post for the podcast Instagram page. It's at what's going on up there underscore pod if you want to follow i made a valentine's day post for the instagram page and i'm hopeful that it will reach a lot of people and help a lot of people on valentine's day so thinking about how you feel now that you finished this closing mindfulness and thinking about the thoughts that came up and not judging them, not judging the thoughts that came up or the thoughts that you wish came up, but just thinking about what did come up and noticing it. And now you can just let it go. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And thanks for listening. I will see you next week.